0: Hello and welcome to the Good Friday service at First Baptist Church of Oregon City. I'm Pastor John Witham. This is a little bit unusual this year, but then again, things in our world are a little bit unusual right now. Normally this service would take place in our church sanctuary, but instead this year it's going to take place in our homes out of consideration and love for our neighbors, our brothers and sisters in Christ, and to prevent the spread Uh, of this virus that has torn apart uh, so many parts of our world. For this worship recording, there are some supplies that you'll wanna gather before we begin. You'll need six candles. We will be extinguishing these candles as we go along this evening. You'll want some bread uh, and you'll want some grape juice. Now, if you don't have bread and grape juice at your house, that's okay. There are other things you can use. If you have cookies and milk, that would be a good alternative. If you have bread but not grape juice, you could use water, you could use Kool-Aid. If you have crackers but not bread, that works as well. The important part is right now not as much what we're using, but the fact that we recognize that we are coming to the table that Jesus sets for us. And when we come to the table of the Lord, uh, we are in the presence of Jesus. This is best done uh, in the evening time because as we, as we go through and extinguish candles, uh, if it's darker out, it gives the uh, more of the effect of night closing in uh, just as it kind of did around Jesus in his final days. And there will be more about that later. If you only have one candle or, or you don't have all six candles, maybe you have you know, four candles or two candles, or maybe you have a flashlight, uh, we would encourage you to save that and extinguish it as the very last candle so that after we have the reading um, about and the thoughts about Jesus' crucifixion, You can extend that, extinguish that candle and sit in the darkness. The scriptures are coming from the New Living Translation tonight, and we're going to be reading the better part of Luke chapters 22 and 23. And normally I would encourage you to follow along in your Bibles, but I'm going to make a a challenge to you this evening, and that would be to not follow along in your Bibles. And here's why. Sometimes when we follow along in the Bibles, we get hung up on the words on the page. And tonight as I read, I I will read with inflection and tone um, in hopes that that God's word can really come alive for you uh, this evening. And so if you want to read along, that's absolutely fine. I'm not going to stop you. But I would encourage you to to listen and hear scripture in a new way uh, this evening so that you can imagine these as real people who had real feelings as they were going through um, maybe the most incredible, incredulous, tragic uh, event of their entire lives. This is a worship service. I know it is an unusual one at that, but at the same time, it's still the hope and prayer of the pastoral staff here at First Baptist Church of Oregon City, uh, that you'll find the Holy Spirit is present with you, that we are worshiping Jesus in spirit and in truth as we follow along through the last moments of the life of our Lord uh, on this Friday. One final note, there will be some silence uh, after we extinguish the sixth candle. The recording has not stopped. So make sure you listen through to the very end of the recording. God bless you. Candle 1, The Last Supper Now the festival of unleavened bread arrived, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John ahead and said, Go and prepare the Passover meal so we can eat it together. Where do you want us to prepare it? They asked him. He replied, As soon as you enter Jerusalem, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where is the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare our meal. They went off to the city and found everything just as Jesus had said, and they prepared the Passover meal there. When the time came, Jesus and the apostles sat down together at the table. Jesus said, I have been very eager to eat this Passover meal with you before my suffering begins. For I tell you now that I won't eat this meal again until its meaning is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to God for it. Then he said, Take this and share it among yourselves, for I will not drink wine again until the kingdom of God has come. He took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and gave it to the disciples, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this to remember me. After supper he took another cup of wine and said, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me. For it has been determined that the Son of Man must die, but what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him. The disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing.
1: As you do. Remember me This bread is my body Broken just for you Take it, eat it Each time
0: Extinguish candle one. Candle two, the Mount of Olives. Then, accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give in to temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again and returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation.
1: Please, Father, take this cup. As teardrops stain His face, His her saving grace, His prayer is offered up. Bye.
0: Distinguish, candle two. Candle three, betrayal, arrest, denial. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached, led by Judas, one of the twelve disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? When the other disciples saw what was about to happen, they exclaimed, Lord, should we fight? We brought the swords. And one of them struck at the high priest's slave, slashing off his right ear. But Jesus said, No more of this. And he touched the man's ear and healed him. Then Jesus spoke to the leading priests, the captain of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him. Am I some dangerous revolutionary, he asked. That you come with swords and clubs to arrest me? Why didn't you arrest me in the temple? I was there every day. But this is your moment, the time when the power of darkness reigns. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, This man was one of Jesus' followers. But Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, You must be one of them. No, man, I am not, Peter retorted. About an hour later, someone else insisted, This must be one of them, because he is a Galilean too. But Peter said, Man, I don't know what you are talking about. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. At that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly, the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard, weeping bitterly. Extinguish candle three. Candle four, the trial. The entire council took Jesus to Pilate, the Roman governor. They began to state their case. This man has been leading our people astray by telling them not to pay their taxes to the Roman government and by claiming he is the Messiah, a king. So Pilate asked him, Are you king of the Jews? Jesus replied, You have said it. Pilate turned to the leading priests and to the crowd and said, I find nothing wrong with this man. They became insistent, but he is causing riots by his teaching wherever he goes, all over Judea, from Galilee to Jerusalem. Oh, is he a Galilean? Pilate asked. When they said that he was, Pilate sent him to Herod Antipas, because Galilee was under Herod's jurisdiction and Herod happened to be in Jerusalem at the time. Herod was delighted about the opportunity to see Jesus because he had heard about him and been hoping for a long time to see him perform a miracle. He asked Jesus question after question, but Jesus refused to answer. Meanwhile, the leading priests and teachers of religious law stood there shouting their accusations. Then Herod and his soldiers began mocking and ridiculing Jesus. Finally, they put a royal robe on him and sent him back to Pilate. Herod and Pilate, who had been enemies before, became friends that day. Then Pilate called together the leading priests and other religious teachers, along with the people, and he announced his verdict. You brought this man to me, accusing him of leading a revolt. I have examined him thoroughly on this point in your presence and find him innocent. Herod came to the same conclusion and sent him back to us. Nothing this man has done calls for the death penalty, so I will have him flogged and release him. Then a mighty roar rose from the crowd, and with one voice they shouted, Kill him and release Barabbas to us. Barabbas was imprisoned for taking part in an insurrection in Jerusalem against the government and for murder. Pilate argued with them, because he wanted to release Jesus. But they kept shouting, Crucify him! Crucify him! For the third time, he demanded, Why? What crime has he committed? I found no reason to sentence him to death. So I will have him flogged, then I will release him. But the mob shouted louder and louder, demanding that Jesus be crucified. And their voices prevailed. So Pilate sentenced Jesus to die As they demanded. As they had requested, he released Barabbas, the man in prison, for insurrection and murder. But he turned Jesus over to them to do as they wished. Distinguish, candle four. Candle five, the crucifixion. As they led Jesus away, a man named Simon, who was from Cyrene, happened to be coming from the countryside. The soldier seized him and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women, But Jesus turned and said to them, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me, but weep for yourselves and your children for the days are coming when they will say fortunate indeed are the women who are childless, the wombs that have not borne a child and the breasts that have never nursed. People will beg the mountains, fall on us and plead with the hills, bury us. For if these things happen when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two others, both criminals, were let out to be executed with him. When they came to a place called the Skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And the soldiers gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the Chosen One. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called out to him, If you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself. And us, too, while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone, and the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. Distinguish Candle 5. If we were watching a movie where we saw the villain of the piece setting up all of these traps and plots and schemes so carefully to ensnare the hero, we would want to jump through the screen and let the hero know what was going on. We would want to just stop the movie and say to the hero, can't you see what's happening here? And this is exactly what happens in the last few days of Jesus' life. It starts off promising. Jesus enters Jerusalem to shouts of, Hosanna, save us, with implications that this could be the one, this could be the Messiah. And as the week Went on the the priests and the teachers of the law at various times approached him with questions and traps and snares because they wanted to try to find some way to trip up Jesus. And we would be very tempted upon reading this to think that these were the true villains of the piece but they're not. Because the actual villain of the piece, the one lurking in the background, setting up plots and traps and schemes, is Satan. Satan is the power of darkness personified. And as... Jesus is in Jerusalem. Satan is working everything out to his own ends. We see it taking shape through the betrayal. We see as Judas is led to sell Jesus out to the people who want to kill him. Because really, That's the only way the priests were going to triumph. They couldn't get a thing on Jesus no matter how hard they tried until Jesus was betrayed by a man on the inside. We see it in the arrest that Jesus is praying and he's praying looking for strength from the Father to do what must be done. And yet, here comes a mob with clubs and torches and swords to try to arrest Jesus. We see it in Jesus' own followers who, knowing Jesus' priorities, knowing that Jesus has never once resorted to violence, now take up swords. We see it in not one but two sham trials where trumped-up charges are leveled against Jesus. He's presented to Pontius Pilate, who is desperate to try to wash his hands of the situation. And so Pilate sends him on to Herod, and Herod treats Jesus as an as entertainment, a spectacle to watch. And so Herod sends Jesus back to Pilate, And Pilate can't even do the one thing that he's supposed to do for the Roman government in the Roman province of Palestine, and that is to enact Roman justice. Because instead of doing what Pilate was supposed to do as a Roman, he handed Jesus off to be murdered by somebody else. Crucifixion was a Roman thing. They invented it. They perfected it. It was their thing. But Pilate handed it off to someone else. We see it in the mocking where Jesus had been hailed like a king days before. Now he was being mocked because his apparent power was stripped away from him. And we see it in his lonely death that there between yet another mocker and the humble thief, Jesus died. And in all of these things, we see the power of darkness encircling Jesus, hoping to trap him and ensnare him and finally have some sort of victory because this was God's redemption plan. And if the darkness could defeat God's redemption plan, then the darkness might have a chance to win. The grand reversal in all of this is that the cross is the divine victory that is accomplished through worldly defeat. To the casual observer keeping score at home, darkness is won. Satan got everything he had wanted out of the deal. He had Jesus mocked and scorned and arrested and dehumanized. Every possible refuge of comfort and peace for Jesus was removed. The betrayal happened by one of his friends. The arrest happened in the garden while he was praying. Jesus watched As one of his closest friends, one of the people, three people who had seen Jesus in his glory, denied ever knowing Jesus, and that was Peter. And Jesus suffers injustice at the hand of the Roman government, and Jesus suffers injustice at the hand of the alleged government of God's people of Israel at the time. Satan really seems to have won. But what we know and what we can see is that this truly was the only way for divine victory to happen. Jesus could have gotten off the cross. Jesus could have chosen to fight and would have won over the people who had put him on the cross. But that wouldn't have won victory over sin and death. It would have only been victory over the cross and would have made Jesus just another in a long line of violent leaders with a violent kingdom. Instead, it was love that kept Jesus on the cross because Jesus died for us because he loves us. And because Jesus loves us, he couldn't allow the power of darkness to win the day. But for Jesus to not allow the power of darkness to win the day he had to lose the day. Love won a victory that day on the cross, even as Jesus breathed his last. Love is the victory over darkness, not the sword, not intimidation or authority, but love. And Jesus so believed in the love of the Father and Jesus so trusted in the love of the Father that he put his spirit in the hands of the Father and died so that sin could be defeated, that darkness would not have the last say over God's good creation. It might have appeared to. And if you were one of the disciples or one of the women who were standing at the foot of the cross or the centurions who walked away maybe believing in Jesus it sure looked like darkness had won. The book of Luke is full of grand reversals where things are not as we think they are, where Jesus' kingdom upends the ways of the world. And the next to last Grand reversal was complete with Jesus' final breath. Extinguish the sixth candle.